Welcome to Careers in Your Ears, a careers podcast for PhD students and research staff at King's College London. I'm Vicky Tipton, one of the careers consultants supporting researchers here at King's. I'm joined today by Nick Lynn, Senior Director at Willis Towers Watson, a global advisory, broking and solutions company that helps clients around the world turn risk into a path for growth. Welcome, Nick, and thank you very much for joining me. No problem. Thank you. So, Nick, you have a PhD in geography and went on to be a lecturer. So I wondered if we could start by asking you to tell us about your time in academia and about your research, please. Okay. So, yes, um, I was a human geographer. Uh-huh. I am a human geographer. <laughs> and so, um, particularly political and economic geography. And so, uh, I was a lecturer at the University of Edinburgh. Just, um, at our time, it was a five-star RAE department, and so research and teaching. And um, my work was around um, really political and economic change, and particularly transition in the former Soviet Union. Mm. And so included things like um, looking at the restructuring of the oil, gas, and diamond industry in the Russian Far East. Wow, so I travelled across... Siberia, uh, places like Yakutsk and Habarovsk and Vladivostok, and also about debates around federalism and political change in Russia. Wow, fantastic. And I could take the podcast in a whole different direction just by asking you about um, that time and, and going to Russia, I expect. But we'll stick to the plan. So what led to you leaving academia so, uh, so I love teaching, okay. and I enjoyed research. So, actually, the the main reasons I probably left academia were uh, numeric pay, right? To be quite honest, and and also a degree of job security as a as a lecturer. I was on a sort of a rolling contract, okay. And but mainly pay, I'd mm-hmm. say. Um, there was one other piece I think, which was I felt a little bit like academia or social science at that time was quite unpractical. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, to really get published, you had to quote quite a lot of French philosophers at okay, that time. Right. And uh, I found academia quite political. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't very good at playing that kind of game. Mm-hmm. So it was a number of things that came together. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. All right. So I'll leave that there. And I wonder if you could uh, kindly tell us about your career journey since that point, since leaving Edinburgh as a lecturer. Yeah, so I, I guess I took a leap. So there, uh, I applied to a job that was advertised in The Guardian. I remember that. And uh, it was a job for a small um, research and consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And I joined, as the title was, Associate Project Director. And it was in a field that I had no experience in, employee research, employee surveys, uh, organizational research. Mm. And I remember the whole process was very uh, daunting. Mm. So what I mean is uh, I had to take a math test that terrified me. Mm. Having been academic and setting exams to then take an exam was pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty scary. I had to take aptitude tests. There were loads of interviews. Um, but I got through that and moved from Edinburgh to London and know uh increase my salary quite significantly right. <laughs> with that move and uh i remember a couple of things one is uh i actually had to mark some of my final exams while i was starting my new job okay. which was kind of weird um and the other was i really i really didn't know what i was getting into and so i did a typical thing of really researching the area read lots of books and articles and i've used none of that since so <laughs> <laughs> um you know basically the job 
was to make sense of data and present it to leaders. Um, a lot about data comes from things like surveys. Mm. Uh, and you know, surveys are hard to interpret. It's not easy to help a sort of leadership team understand the results. Uh, you know, think about what they could do differently based on the feedback. Mm. And so if I think about why that, that company was hiring someone with no mm. experience, partly it's because PhDs are cheap, cheaper mm. than MBAs. Mm. So you're hiring sort of quite bright people mm -hmm. uh, at, you know, probably quite a competitive salary. Mm. Um, but also a PhD buys you some credibility, which mm. if you're working with, uh, you know, senior leaders, sort of high, highly paid, high ego mm -hmm. sort of folks, then that can be really, really useful. Because you've got the research skills yeah, you've and got, the evidence-based inquiry. Exactly. And we can talk more about that. You've also got you know, some letters after your name. Mm -hmm. yeah? And uh, you know, you're being tested and having to prove yourself to get those mm. letters. And so I uh, started in London, worked for that firm, um, you know, we, uh, moved to Chicago um, and spent four years in Chicago. And then we got acquired and I uh, moved to New York as part of that move. And mm -hmm. then we got acquired again and I came back to London. So my world, although I've been in the same sort of um, area, has gone from a sort of firm of 250 people to now I'm part of a firm of 40,000 people. Okay. But still focused around similar sort of themes. Okay. So the, the job has broadly stayed around the same kind of content and, and ideas. That's but right. the firm that you've been with has grown and grown or been bought and moved on. Yeah, and we can talk about why that they made that acquisition, but partly, you know, large companies value that kind of data analytics insights yeah. uh, when, when they're consulting. Okay, yeah. great. So, I mean, well, we're, we're touching on it, aren't we? Um, could, could you tell us a bit more about your current role? You work in employee engagement. Um, so maybe we could start by working out what that means I suspect I mean I haven't come across that term an awful lot I have because um, I've heard you speak about it before but some of us might not who are listening might not have encountered it at all before so could we start by sort of working out what that means and a bit more about your current role please yeah so uh, so engagement is I guess a focus for HR so for, for human resources inside organizations and for leaders and um, it's, uh, you know, gets at the connection between employees and the company they work for. So now one way to think about it is if, if you're running a large company, it's quite hard to stay in touch with what's going on on the ground, mm -hmm. if you like. So and if you think about what that means, you know, it means um, you, you, you have to deliver things through your people, uh, but you can be quite detached from the sort of day-to-day -day problems. You don't know if your messages are really being received correctly, mm -hmm. if you like, by the front line. No, they're being translated through lots of different layers of management. Mm. So a sort of senior leadership team are interested in you know, how you set things up, you know, how, you know, how people are motivated to do their mm. best work, whether they've got the tools and resources that they need to do their best work, whether um, they really care about what they're doing. Yeah. And it's all those things that engagement are about. So many people talk about employee engagement as being motivated to go the extra mile in mm. your job. But from a leadership point of view, it's making sure you've got all the things you need to be able to do that. Right? Okay. And so, so creating, if you like, the right experience for people. Um, and, you know, but one common way of thinking about that is to listen to employees. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And the most common way of listening to employees is by running surveys or you know, doing polls or having panels or focus groups yeah. or using technology. And they're the things that I help with. And in particular, I help... I think about the questions to ask, 
and then what to do when you get the feedback which is the hard piece yeah, yeah. and so thinking about what kinds of changes you might make you know do you need to think about the training programs you have about how are you you know your performance management process about how you communicate mm. And so, you know, taking insights from employees and sort of improving those processes. Okay. All right. So that's where the consulting process takes place after exactly. those sort of surveys have been done. All right. So let's take it a little deeper if we can. What do you do on a day-to-day basis and, and what motivates you? Yeah. So I mainly do client work, and uh, which I really love. And so uh, I probably have about 30 active clients. Okay. And so they tend to be large companies, large organizations. Um, I also do sales. Yeah, so I have a sales target, and but I mainly sell sell through referrals and networking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't do things like cold calling or mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, then I have a responsibility for managing a team, and then I help with um, help the firm with developing new ideas and marketing those ideas as well. Mm-hmm. So the thing I like most is client work, okay. and so I get to explore lots of questions with uh, my clients you know things like how do you encourage people to really be innovative you know how do you encourage people to collaborate better mm-hmm. um, how do you help organizations think about you know sustainability and wellness or how they create a culture of inclusion and diversity and I'm, I'm lucky to work with lots of different organizations so the other one thing I like is I work with you know you know dairies you know, mm-hmm. I work with law firms I work with big banks, I work with bus companies. So you get to see lots of different workplaces, you get to meet lots of different managers and see the kinds of things that work that don't work so well. That's fantastic. And, and, and that moti- all of those things motivate you or do you think that's a, a separate answer? Uh, so, um, yeah, so I like solving problems yeah. and I like working with people. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, I like that you can have an impact. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of consulting where you can make uh, you no know, by listening to people you can make small changes and actually it improves their working day, mm-hmm. you know, which is important for them as well as making a company more productive, more effective. Fantastic, thank yeah. you. All right, so we touched on this earlier on. I think a little bit talking about research skills, but you you moved from a field. You said you you were a geography lecturer, you were an academic, and you moved into something that was entirely new. But I wonder if you can see any themes running through your career from PhD to where you are now. Yes. Yeah, so so I I I describe myself so on Twitter. I describe myself as a researcher and consultant. Okay. Yep. And so that's not that different from being an academic, really. You know, uh, so a lot of what I do is trying to answer questions of data and insights. And, you know, the consulting I do is research-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I also get to talk about it. So I get to write about it. Um, I publish articles, blogs. I've written a book. And I get to speak at conferences and events. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a, a common theme there about communicating your re- research, if you like. And then if I think about the sort of um, more of a sort of academic points, then a common theme from academic, uh, my academic research now is around identity. Okay. So what does it mean to belong to a company, mm-hmm. to an organization, to a community of employees mm-hmm. right, or colleagues? Another theme is around transformation and change. So I may have started off studying post-Soviet transition, Mm. uh, but actually I don't know how different it is really studying how companies change, you know, (laughs) organizational transformation and change. And, you know, themes like digital transformation are completely rewiring organizations and 
know, um, associated with that sort of technology change is culture, behavior. Yes, yeah. And so there's a big theme around transformation and change. Another, another theme I'd say is critical thinking. So mm. not taking things at face value, looking for deeper meanings, deeper causes. So I think those are all common mm. pieces. I just don't read as much Foucault and Derrida as I, <laughs> as I used to. <laughs> Okay, well, it's really insightful and nice to be able to, I think, look back to the PhD and, and think about those things that you have gained and, and sort of and still maintained in your career today. As an extension to that, what skills, attributes and knowledge do you still use from your time in academia in your work today? Yes, yeah, so one key skill is uh, uh, you know, analysing data. Yep. Mm. And so both quantitative data, qualitative data, so I work in SPSS, I work in R. Uh, when I'm looking at qualitative data, I work in tools like Navivo. So these are exactly the same kinds of mm. tools I was using as an academic. Uh, another skill is presenting. Yep. So when I was a lecturer, I remember, I mean, I'm actually quite shocked to some extent, I was given hardly any training when mm. I was a lecturer. I was literally thrown in to teach a class of 250 people mm. with very little support. Actually, in the corporate world, I think I've had a lot more support interesting and um and so uh but a lot of what i do is presenting to it can be to big employee town halls Mm -hmm. it can be through media or it can be to a leadership team and i think a related piece to that is being able to stand up for what you think Mm -hmm. so my part of my role is giving feedback to senior people and not often not easy feedback it's about things that aren't working so um they don't take that lightly you get quite a lot of challenge and that's not unlike having a viva, you know. And so you need to, you know, you need to prep, have notes. You need to be able to defend what you think. Mm-hmm. And then there are, there are other skills like uh, writing, you know, be able to write reports, case study, a thought piece. And then maybe the final piece is keeping up to date. Mm-hmm. So I read a lot. I work in Evernote all the time. You know, I keep a log of my client work. So I think there's a lot of this, you know, a lot of those um, uh, attribute skills carry over. Fantastic, thank you. And then our final question for today's episode is about sort of knowing, I suppose, from your personal experience and your current work, what advice you might have for PhDs and early career researchers who aren't yet decided about their path or whom are wondering which direction to go in. Yeah, so um, so I, I think I'd be quite positive and upbeat, actually, because I think there are lots of opportunities and probably increasing number of opportunities so I guess one thing I didn't realize actually was that a PhD has a commercial value because I I did my PhD because I was really passionate about it and interested in it but when I moved into the business world you know you realize that no you go a PhD goes on a, a business card it goes on your profile it gives you credibility and employers will pay for that mm. so um so I, I I guess I hadn't realized sort of commercial value of a PhD and then I think there are a lot of skills that you need to complete a PhD that are business relevant. So I've talked about some of those. So working with data, producing insights, presenting you know, your work, arguing your point. And I think those skills are also becoming more important. So one area where I work and uh, uh, my firm works is around the future of work. Because technology is having a huge impact on jobs and organizations. And a lot of, I guess, sort of mundane sort of paper shuffling jobs are being automated away, being removed. And what companies need are more people who can exercise judgment 
Yep. And especially in an age of sort of you no know, artificial intelligence and algorithms, I think good human judgment becomes even more important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on top of that, companies have more and more data, right? And so they're awash with data. And that's everything from numbers, text, images, video. So it's not just about, um, you know, quants. You know, ethnographers are needed. Mm-hmm. And um, so people who can take data and develop insights, those kinds of skills are in high demand. Mm. And then if you add on to that, the ability to tell stories around the data is, is a really critical skill. So the World Economic Forum of uh, folks in Davos mm. yep, conducted quite a big study into sort of business skills that are going to become even more important. Mm. And number one was analytical thinking and innovation. Mm. Yep. And then that was followed up with things like critical thinking, complex problem solving, reasoning. And on top of that, the ability to be a lifelong learner yep, and teach others new skills. So... You know, these are all great things if you think about how you could convert your skills from PhD into a business career. Mm. And, uh, and, and one of the things I see, for example, is actually within businesses, the sort of shift or a movement towards more evidence-based decisions. Mm. So think about a lot of decisions probably historically were based on gut or intuition, but there's an increasing focus on actually what's the evidence. Mm to drive that kind of decision, whether it's about people, strategy, operations, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And you know, that means actually understanding you know, the theory, the research, being able to t- develop ideas, test them, iterate. Mm-hmm. So all good you know, sort of social science rigor, you know, but completely business applicable. It's very business applicable. That's a, a very loud and clear positive message for the transferability of a, of a PhD outside of academia. Um, so thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today. Um, like I said at the beginning with the first question, you know, I think we could go in another direction and talk more about the future of work, etc. Um, but we're going to close it down uh, now. So thanks once again for your time and all of your insights. Um, We're always interested to hear from our listeners, so please do get in touch if you've got any ideas of who you'd like us to interview or any specific questions that you would like us to put to the people we interview. Tweet at KCL do one thing or email careers at kcl.ac.uk. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Careers in Your Ears. If you're interested in learning more about working in specific sectors outside of academia, then if you're a King's PhD student or researcher, head to the Careers and Employability page on Keats, which you'll find under College Services. On the right-hand side, you can click on Event Podcasts and Recordings. Here you can listen to our Discover Careers in panel discussions. Check out, for example, Working in Artificial Intelligence, Data Science and Machine Learning, recorded in October 2019. Thanks again for listening to Careers in Your Ears.